So I, I've been praying about what in God's word I, I'd want to share with you today on, on our celebration Sunday. And, and I felt like God has just been totally speaking to me and keeps pointing me back to John 15 um, and, and the word abide, right? Uh, abide. So the reality in life, I think we experience, if, if you think about this, you'll, you'll see this. And maybe some of you aren't old enough to know this yet, but um, is that life is really like kind of like a, a down, like trying to go up a down escalator. Um, you, have you ever tried to do that? Or, or just try to imagine you, you have to get to the next floor, and the only way up to that next floor is to go up an escalator that is moving down, right? The, the, you just, the hard work of trying to make it up that escalator to get there. But what happens if you stop, right? You're trying to get up a down escalator. What happens if you get tired and you just quit? You stop on that escalator. You don't just stay in the same place, do you? You, you kind of, you keep going back. You lose ground um, down that escalator, um, and, and that's what life is like in a lot of ways. Um, I took four semesters of French in college. Anybody take French? All right, there's a lot of people who took French. Great. Uh, and I took two years in high school. I thought like, nobody would take French anymore, but um, uh, I took two years of French in high school. Right after I graduated college, I went on this mission trip to Africa for about a month, and most of our time was in the Democratic Republic of Congo, and I was able to use the French. They speak French and Swahili there. And so by, by about a month in, I was starting to feel like, you know, I'm, I'm picking up more and more and understanding more and more of what people are saying. I'm able to get by anyway. It wasn't not fluent, was never fluent, anything like that, but was able to communicate little things and get by and not feel like I, I, I totally was dependent upon uh, an interpreter to kind of help me out all the time. Um, but then I came home from that trip, got back in the States, July of 1998, and I haven't done anything with French since then. Not once, right? Nothing. And so you know how good my French is now? It's terrible. Like, I, have, I have none. Like, I, I barely can say anything. I would, I would barely know what anything in French is today. In fact, because of recent trips we've done with partners in Brazil, I know more Portuguese than I know French. And that's not saying much, because if you've been on that trip with me, you know that I don't know much Portuguese, right? But bom dia, tudo bang, we're done, right? That's all I got. Um, moving on. Why is that, Right? Because life is a down escalator. When you stop, you don't just stay where you're at. You, you lose ground. Right? You stop working on your French, you lose your French. You, know, you, you play guitar for a long time. You, you stop playing that guitar for years. You pick that guitar back up. It's not the same as it was when you were playing all the time. You, know, it, the, you get to, out of the routine with the gym. We can relate to this. I can. Anyway. <laughs> Right? You get out of the routine at the gym, and you go back to the gym, and then you try, to, you try to run those miles that you used to run before, but you haven't done for a few months. Those miles are a lot harder now, and you can't run as many of them usually. Right? You can't lift as much weight as you used to be able to lift. You, you lose it. Muscles atrophy. Life's a down escalator. When you stop, you don't just stay where you're at. You, you lose ground. That's kind of the negative side of what Jesus tells us here in John 15, verse 5. Right? But he also instructs us positively on the way that we can grow, the way that we can uh, bear much fruit. And so that's what we're going to look at today, just one verse. Keep it short and simple so we can get to some celebration and some baptisms here today. John fifteen five. Let's turn there in your Bibles, page 901. Those Bibles on your row, let's stand together. Let's hear from God's Word. John 15, verse 5. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, we thank you for this opportunity to gather and and celebrate. Uh, We pray for... Uh, just lots of things going on in our lives for the students in the room that are graduating and getting ready for finals in summer. Uh, for those of us who are not students but are you know, getting ready for, for new seasons as uh, summer comes for some of our kids and their school as well. Rhythms change a little bit. Lord, just whatever we're going through, um, we pray that you would speak to us today. And you would remind us of, of even if we've been in Bloomington our whole life and we're going to be here for the rest of time until you take us, Lord. Um, we pray that you would remind us that we must abide in you, that, that life comes from, from being in you and, and from having you in us, and that no matter where we're at, where we go, Lord, that's, that's what you would tell us, to abide. Uh, I pray that you would help uh, make that truth a reality in, in our lives, that we would experience the life-giving uh, just fruit that comes from being rooted in you, and Lord, you'd have your way with us. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may have a seat. Just a little context, right? Jesus is speaking here in John 15 to his disciples. They're in the upper room, right? He's washed their feet. He's prepared them for what's about to happen with him. He's promised the Holy Spirit to them. um, and, And now he's preparing them to be sent out on mission. And this is the context for when he, what he says here, John fifteen five. This is what he's doing. And Jesus makes it clear here, right? You're either growing or dying, right? That's the first point of this sermon, right? You're either growing or, or dying. I got to telegraph these so he knows when to hit the button a little bit. So, um, because we have a problem with the projector, apologies. Uh, so he, he says here, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. But the very next verse makes it clear that, that doing nothing is not like, like just like, okay, we're, we're fine. We're just staying here. We're staying stagnant. Things are just going to be the same. Uh, verse 6, look at verse 6, what he says. He says, if anyone does not abide in me, right? Those who are doing nothing, uh, that can do nothing. He is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Right? In other words, you're either growing or you're dying. Those are your options. It's not either growing or staying the same. It's either you're growing or you're dying. You're losing ground. To do nothing is not simply to stay where you are because life is that down escalator. To stop and, and do nothing is the same as, it's not the same as remaining stagnant. You don't stay the same, right? You lose your French. Your muscles atrophy. You're either growing or you're dying. Now when Jesus says, uh, apart from me you can do nothing, he's not telling us that people who are not in Christ, who don't abide in Christ, don't do anything, right? That they can never do anything. I mean, we know that that's not true. Right? There's people who do not follow Jesus who do a lot of things. They do a lot of things. A lot of things that we would say, those are good things. They're, they're blessing people. They're, they're helping people in need. A lot of good things. But Jesus' point here is that you're not going to do anything that is eternally significant apart from him, Right? You're not going to do anything that bears lasting fruit, eternal fruit. Apart from Jesus, you can work hard on learning French. You can hit the gym and build up your muscles and make them bigger, right? But in the end, his point is this. It's all going to burn, right? In the end, it all burns apart from him. 
You're either growing or you're dying. And what Jesus makes clear here is that he, Jesus, is the source of growth and life. He's the source of growth and life. He's very plain, very straightforward about this. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Right? Know your role here is what he's saying. I am the vine, you are the branches. Do you hear this? It's revolutionary, kind of what Jesus is saying. I mean, this is really significant. You need to not miss the significance of this because once again, the Bible is making it abundantly clear to us. Jesus himself is making it abundantly clear to us that Christianity is no mere religion, right? It's, it's no mere philosophy or, or way of thinking or living. It's not that, right? It's something else entirely. There is such an intimate connection that he's talking about here. I am the vine and you are the branches. To become a Christian is to have your heart uprooted out of this soil of death and decay, right? The down escalator. And to have it replanted in the fertile, life-giving soil of Jesus Christ, right? There's an intimate connection here. It's to have the dead branch that you are on your own. A dead branch, a decaying branch that's it, ready for the fire. That's it's who we are upon our own. It's to have your dead branch grafted into the vine that is Christ. To have his life flowing into you, giving you life. Right? Because a branch gets its nutrients, it gets the water from, from the stem, Right? The stem supplies to the branch the, the stuff that it pulls from the soil, all the, the water, the, the, the nutrients that the, the branch needs. The branch has no direct access to those things. It has no direct access. It, it receives from the stem what it has. And this is the connection that every believer has with Christ. So if the branch is truly joined to the vine, then life comes into that branch. Right? So that it can grow and bear fruit, lasting fruit, eternal fruit. And therefore, if a branch is not growing, it's not bearing fruit, then, then it's not truly joined to the stem. It might appear to be joined, right? It might be uh, kind of superficially joined. It might be cosmetically joined, like it looks like it's joined, but it's not actually joined to the stem. Therefore, growth and life flow from the actual connection that a branch has to the vine. And Jesus says this is the reality for us. Growth and life come from him. He is the vine. You are the branches. Right? Life is in him. Growth is in him. He, he, he's telling us that you are spiritually united with him. This intimate, deep connection that you have with him. In other words, to become a Christian is not simply for Jesus to suddenly have influence over you, like you occasionally take his advice, right? It, it, it's a transformation of your nature. It's a uniting of yourself to him, becoming one and, and, and joining him, joining yourself to him. To experience the life Jesus gives, to experience the growth and the, the transformation that he brings, you can't simply get around him and let him influence you. You've got to be united with him by faith. Right? United with him by faith. You have to have the Holy Spirit come into your heart and bring life to your heart. You've got to be united with Christ by faith, by this complete giving of yourself to him, a complete trusting of yourself to him. 
So simply going through the motions won't cut it, right? Just showing up to church, just going to community group, just even opening your Bible and reading your Bible, reading that, shutting it, being done, that doesn't cut it, right? That's superficial. That's cosmetic. You have to actually have your heart and your life joined to Jesus Christ. He's the source of all growth in life. We have everything that we need in him. Do you believe that? That's part of the faith that, you, that, that joins you to him, is believing that. That's what it says in 2 Peter 1, 3, right? Uh, I think we have this too. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. In Jesus, you have literally everything that you need for life and godliness. All right, we're done. Good news? That's good news. But, so what do we do with that? Like, how do you tap into that everything that you need? How do you, how do you grow in Christ? How do you experience growth in life in Him? Well, Jesus, He tells us here in John 15, 5, and throughout the chapter here, the way to grow. He tells us, he, repeatedly, he, he's telling us in John 15, he gives us these three words over and over and over again. Abide in me. Abide in me. Abide in Jesus. Only by participating in the very life of the Godhead and being grafted into the stem of Jesus Christ can you escape the down escalator that is life. But you don't just like get like the energy to keep running. You fly up. Right? In him you fly up, you escape the dying and the decay by abiding in Christ. So what does that mean? What does that word, like who, do, does anybody use the word abide other than the dude? Right? The dude abides. Uh, he abides. But, uh, but we, like who uses that word? Do we even really know what we're talking about? Well, some translations will use the word remain. Right? Remain. Abide. Remain. Uh, but the idea kind of carries this, this visual uh, of making your home in something. To abide in that, to make your home in it, to to dwell in it. But in the context here, the meaning really jumps out that it means to depend upon, right? To depend upon, just as the branch depends on the vine for its life, for its ability to bear fruit. You know, you and I, we are to depend on Jesus. We're to depend on him. We're to find our life, our, our, our source of life, our source of growth, our everything. We're to find all of it. In Christ. We're to depend on him for everything. And so what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, Jesus gives us a couple hints in kind of the larger section here of John chapter 15. And verse 7, he says this. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, right? My words abide in you. In other words, abiding in the word, the word abiding in you, that's one hint to understanding what he's saying here. And then in verse 9, he instructs us, abide in my love. Abide in my love. So if you abide in his words, you bear much fruit. If you abide in his love, you will bear much fruit. That's what Jesus is, is telling us here. And, and the natural tendency, uh, as you get older, um, and, and again, context here, we, we have some folks in the room who are, are actually older, like getting a little bit older. There's not a lot of, of older folks here. But, but as you get older and, and you move through life, you will see this to be true, that the natural tendency is for people to get harder and harder and harder, right? To, to just grow colder, to become more bitter, to grow more anxious about things. Um, and so today, 
as a lot of you young folks are preparing to kind of head out for summer, uh, you're preparing to move away from Bloomington for good, I, I want you to heed these words that Jesus speaks to us here. Abide in his word. Uh, abide in his love. Abide in Christ. And for the rest of us that are here, we're not college students, um, you're looking at your life today and you're thinking, I- I'm struggling with this some kind of besetting sin that I just continue to wrestle with. Right? I'm not seeing the growth in my life that I expect or want to see. I- I'm struggling with, with anxiety or depression or I'm increasingly worried, more and more weary as I look at my life. Listen, what you have to do is you have to abide in Christ. You have to abide in his word. You have to abide in his love. So what does that mean? Right? What, what does that mean to abide in his words and let his words abide in you? Well, it's one thing to like, take, take your Bible and do your d- devotional reading. I'm going to read John 15 today. All right, I read John 15. We're done. Right? That's one way to read your Bible. Right? You can read the Bible for like, inspiration, you know, to like, uh, inspire me somehow. Uh, you can read the Bible for doctrinal like truth and information, grow in some knowledge uh, about theology and, and such. That's one way to read the Bible. But it's another thing to truly abide in God's word and to let it abide in you. Right? And if you're not abiding in his word, by the way, can I just say we got no room to complain right, about how I'm not growing. Right? Community group doesn't, isn't helping me grow anymore. You know, uh, coming to church doesn't help me grow anymore. If we're not abiding in his word on our own, we have no room, no room to complain about that, right? No room. Because no Christian grows apart from regular feeding on God's word. Regularly being in his word and letting it not just read and pass through and shut the Bible and move on to the next item on our agenda for the day, but to just let it soak and saturate, and, and just dwell in it, abide in it. It's more than simply reading for inspiration or information. Paul tells us a little bit about what this is in Colossians 3.16 when he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let it dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns, spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Likewise, the psalmist says this in Psalm 119, verse 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Right? To abide in the word means to feed on it. It means to digest it. It means to, to let it come in and become a part of you. Right? To depend on God's word for your life and for your growth, for your wisdom, right? for your everything. To depend on it. it it's renewing and transforming your mind. Here's what, how it works, right? Everybody at work and your job is worried that we're going to lose our jobs, right? Uh, things aren't going well. Uh, we haven't been selling like we should sell. Uh, people might start losing their jobs. Everybody starts to get worried. And you remember, consider the birds of the air, right? How much does your father care for them and provide for them? Are you not much more valuable than they? Right, and that right there, Abiding in the word begins to come in and it begins to shape your thoughts. It begins, to, it begins to let you begin to chew on it. You're digesting it in those moments when you start to go there in that moment of, of stress and worry. 
Abiding in the Word is taking what you read in God's Word and spending time to reflect on it, to think on it, to study it, to memorize it. And can I just like very simply, there's inductive Bible study methods. And we, we've done classes on how to study the Bible, and those are good, and you should go to those uh, and learn about that. But very simply, like the biggest step in moving from Bible reading to Bible study is get a pen and paper and write, right? To, to think about the observations that you're making in the text, to, to write down what does the text mean, and to write down, like, what is this text telling me about God? What is it telling me about myself? How is it leading me to worship God? What, is it, what are the commandments here that are telling me, to, how do I need to respond? What do I need to repent of? Just writing, thinking. It gets you thinking, gets you dwelling on God's word. You just simply ask yourself, how do I make what I'm reading here part of the way in which I think and live? How do I let what I'm reading in God's word shape the way that I look at myself and the way that I look at the world around me? You pray the Bible. Right? Don Whitney, right, in his book, Praying the Bible, I just took his class at Southern on personal spiritual disciplines. He's always talking about, you know, don't just keep praying the same old things about the same old things, right? But rather, let the scriptures direct your prayers to think on them and let them shape what you pray for. So you read about abiding in Jesus, let's pray about abiding in Jesus. Let's pray for our, our spouses to abide in Jesus. Let's pray for our children to abide in Jesus. Let's pray for our, our friends to abide in Jesus. Let that shape you. You're, that's getting you thinking and dwelling and feeding on God's word. Abiding in the word. And let it dwell in you richly. He also tells us abide in his, to abide in his love and let his love abide in you. Here's the deal. You realize the moment that you put your faith in Jesus, everything that is true of him becomes true of you, right? His life becomes your life. His righteousness becomes your righteousness. The moment you believe, not after you've been walking with him for a while, the moment you put your trust in him, his death to sin becomes your death to sin, your debt paid in full. His resurrection becomes your newness of life in him. Through Jesus, the moment you believe in him, you're adopted into the family of God. You're adopted as a son or as a daughter of God. That is who you are. That's your identity now. There's no condemnation, Romans 8.1. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ. The moment you trust in Jesus with faith and depend upon him with your life, everything, You know, you're not your sin this week you've been wrestling with. That is not who you are. You're the righteousness of God. You're a beloved child of God. You're clothed in his perfection. That's who you are. Now, understand this. As you abide in that love, his love for you doesn't grow. It doesn't change. Right? Your, your love no more as you walk with Christ as you were the day. Like he, he loves you every bit as much the day you first believe in him. You're forgiven every bit as much the first day you believe him. Uh, you, you are uh, pardoned. You are welcomed. You are approved of. You are accepted every bit as much that first day as you ever will be. That does not change. That remains constant. But what does change is your, your understanding of that, your, your appreciation for that. Your, your like, living in light of that is what grows as you abide in his love, as you continue to remember what he's done for you. Your enjoyment of that grows and grows and grows, and it shapes you to live out of that love, to live out like, I'm going to live as a child of God. I'm going to live as a son of God increasingly in my life. 
And, and it leads you also to, to love others out of his love. To extend mercy. The more that you look at Christ and his love and forgiveness for you, like you realize that your sin against him, that drove him to the cross, that nailed his hands and feet there, your sin against Christ is far worse than anyone else's sin could ever be against you. And the more you dwell on his love for you, his grace to you, the more it moves you to forgive and love others. Those relationship problems that we have with one another, the conflicts we get into, the grudges that we hold, those are problems because we are not living and abiding in his love. We're not applying his love rightly in our lives. That's where those come from. Abiding in his love is the answer for our self-pity and for our jealousy and for our grudges that we hold against one another. And the more we see and live in Christ's love and forgiveness, the more we will freely extend it to others. Abiding in his word, abiding in his love. But I don't want you to miss the importance of community in this. And it's, it is here. I'm not just adding it. Right? It's going to be really impossible for you to abide in Christ if you don't find yourself deeply connected to community in a local church. It's going to be impossible. It's going to be impossible for you to abide like that. There is for sure a personal side here to abiding in his word, but don't miss the importance of community. That's why we read all of Colossians 3.16, and not just to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Done, right? But it says, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart. This is a community affair to dwell, let his word dwell in you richly. You need to teach and admonish one another. There's a helpful corrective that comes from community right, that keeps you from just being isolated in God's word and, and just kind of sticking to the parts you like, avoiding the parts you don't like, uh, uh, just like kind of, you know, maybe redefining it to suit your own interests and, and passions. Um, there's encouragement and accountability to be in and to be abiding in his word that comes from community. There's equipping and instruction that comes we need, to be not, we need to be abiding in the word on our own, absolutely. No Christian grows apart from that, but we also need to be doing it together in community. And so if you're leaving for the summer, you're leaving for good, one of the first priorities on your list needs to be to find a new church, to find a community uh, in a local church to plug into, to have that fellowship, to have that encouragement. You know, we've had families who have moved here and, and are now members of this church. Uh, one family we installed today, right? And, and I was just so encouraged that, like, I mean, I felt like we were being interviewed in a good way by them. Like, it was beautiful, right? Because they understood the importance. Like, we are moving our family. We need to know who's there, who's going to walk with us, who's going to encourage us, who's going to, you know, be there to support us and point us back to the gospel. It's beautiful. You should all do that. You should all do that, right? You should be intentional in that. And if you're here and you're not in community, you're not in a community group, like you're, you're a part of this body regular here, man, we need you in community group. And I know sometimes it's hard in a growing church to be in a community group because uh, things are always growing, things are always changing, the group seems big, there's new people every week or whatever, it might feel like that. But community is not just about you. In fact, it's first and foremost, it's about the glory of God. And secondly, as Christians, it's about putting others' interests ahead of our own. 
And I heard a beautiful testimony that I shared with our members meeting this week. I was doing a membership interview for another new member about the difference the community's made in her life. Right? So it's not only like what is community filling my void and how is it meeting my needs, but it's also what am I taking away from somebody else when I'm not there? What am I taking away by not being in community that I could come and bring the encouragement and the equipping and the instruction and the, the, the building up that I'm withholding by not being there? Right? We, we need one another. Right? We need one another in that. There's much to celebrate today, right? Uh, it's been a great school year. People are meeting Jesus. People are growing in him, joining him on mission. Jesus is building his church. That's beautiful. But if we're not abiding in Christ, it's nothing, right? It's nothing. We got nothing. If we're not abiding in Christ, we're not just staying where we are. We're, we're shrinking back. We're dying, and so the answer isn't to muster up all of our own strength and energy to work as hard as we can to work up and, and go and climb and, and fight hard. The answer is to abide, to abide in Christ, to abide in his word, to abide in his love, to abide in community, in his body. We can't lose sight of all that Christ has done um, and who we are in him. Jesus lived and died and he rose again for you. Right, that you might be forgiven, that you might be adopted, that you might be welcomed all the way in. You might be set free from slavery to sin. There's no condemnation. Nothing can separate you from his love. Hear that. Abide in that today. Depend upon it. Let the word of Christ and his love give you life. And let it, let it bear fruit in your life. That you might bear much fruit for his glory and for his kingdom. You can't do that on your own. You can't. None of us can do that on our own. Press into Jesus, press into community in the local church, right? Uh, Abide. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for this time to gather together, uh, to be together and celebrate the the work that you're doing in our lives and to celebrate uh, the work that we're going to witness here in just a moment with these baptisms, Lord. Uh, But we pray that you would help keep us all rooted in the vine, that we remember that we are the branches You are the vine. You are the source of everything that we need, the life, the growth, the fruit that you want to bear for your glory. Help us abide in your word. Help us abide in your love. Help us abide in community together to be built up, sent out for your glory. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.